the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Opinions expressed in the following program may not reflect those of Salem Media of Colorado or its sponsors. This is Life in Colorado, a radio news magazine about the issues, events, and the unique life we live in the Centennial State. Life in Colorado. Hello and welcome to Life in Colorado, your show about the unique life we live here on the Front Range. We're continuing our Colorado author series, and this week we're speaking to Dr. Ellen Kingman Fisher. She has been the Singer Program Officer for the Gates Family Foundation. She's been the director of the Molly Brown House Museum. She's pretty much done it all, including climbing Mount Kilimanjaro when she was 64. She's written a book called Hill's Gold about Nathaniel Hill, uh, based in the 1860s, and she's here to talk with us about it. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Fisher. Let's jump right into it. It seems like you're a bit of a historian. My PhD is in history, and my background, it's interesting how I got involved with this. When I was getting my PhD, you had to concentrate in about four areas, and one of mine was archival management. So I thought the best way to learn is to volunteer. And I volunteered at the State Historical Society. They gave me a box of letters and journals to look at and arrange it was part of a larger collection that had just been given, and I started reading those letters, and I was fascinated and promised myself that someday I would come back and do something with Nathaniel Peter Hill and his wife, Alice. took me a long time to get that, but I finally did. So you stumbled on letters that Nathaniel wrote or that uh, Miss Hill wrote? Both. Because uh, Nathaniel was going across country, and he would write his wife and other people about his journey, why he was there, descriptions of the West. And then she had a wonderful habit. Every night, she would write a paragraph or two about what happened that day. And so she kept a journal, really, for all of her life, and just invaluable, the letters and the journal to history. I wonder what history will be like now that we don't write letters and journals. It'll actually be a sad string of tweets and, and emails. You're right. But um, let's go back to Nathaniel. Um, it is sort of a, a look back as, as people used to write frequently. Actually, even when I was younger, I used to actually write letters, physically write all, them. All the time they wrote letters, yeah. yes. And, and just the essence of who you are, it, it can't really be captured in a tweet, but in a letter where you're describing your journey, where you're describing your feelings, where you're describing the sights and sounds, there's just nothing like that. There isn't, and that's sad, and I got such a 
touch of their personalities, both of their personalities. So today, in an email or a tweet, it's hard to get that essence of the person. That's terrible. Now, did you grow up on, on stories about the gold mining industry here? I didn't on the gold mining, but my grandfather and, and father were both born in Colorado, so I heard lots of stories about Colorado, not especially mining. My my grandfather was a large animal veterinarian, and my father was an engineer. So some of those stories I heard, but not necessarily about mining. Okay. It just kind of take going directly back to the, the book in and of itself, and, and I can't even imagine how much work went into it. It's beautifully laid out. It is, quote unquote, technically fiction. But it's laid out in this beautiful panorama where the individuals who were alive in that time are described, and and you can feel them through your words. And it is based on fact. And as, as a matter of fact, this is the first time I've written fiction. And a friend and colleague of mine had included Nathaniel Peter Hill in his nonfiction. So I said to myself, I need to do something different. I need to learn how to write a dialogue and and how to create a story. That was the hardest part of the book. I'm good at researching. That's easy. But finding a story to carry forward what I wanted to say about both him and her, uh, it took me a long time. The gold rush in Colorado was starting to taper off a little bit in the late 50s. Well, well, started in the 50s, but kind of tapered off a little bit toward the, the 1860s. What has your research shown about the individuals that were living here or, or trying to live and thrive here at that time? It's interesting that so many people came, almost 100,000 people came in 1859. It was about 10 years after the California gold rush, the 49ers, so this was the 59ers. But many of them didn't find gold. And in fact, one of the reasons I I used the title Hills Gold is because everybody had a different vision of gold. My character, Nathaniel Hill, he wasn't really interested in gold physically. He wanted to solve a problem. Some people came to sell things to miners, Some people were running away from problems. Some people were trying to find themselves. So there are lots of different reasons why people came in the gold rush. Just like now. You're right. But thinking back to the harshness of the times, I mean, we're talking Civil War era. I mean, and and I'm sure there must have been rations at that time, restrictions at that time, lack of information flowing between the North and the South at that time. Can you describe some of the the normal, let's see, day-to-day operations of uh, the, the miners were the main ones that I was really kind of drawn to for some reason? You know, I think of the miners, and if you drive even a short distance, let's say, Um, you know, up toward the mountains, you look up on the hills and you see those yellow tailings or dumps and you think, oh my gosh, these miners were willing to go up at extreme altitudes looking for gold and silver and possibly, probably not ever finding them. So it was harsh. 
Getting food was was very difficult. Uh, medicine wasn't well developed, so people got sick. Uh, it was very a very hard time. Okay, let's let's take a, another look at something which which I, I struck me as kind of interesting. Technically, Mr. Hill was kind of an academic. He absolutely was an academic, but he liked to experiment. And one of the things that made him famous when he was young is he was teaching chemistry at Brown University. And he said, I really think my students would learn more if they could experiment instead of just being lectured to. So he started the first laboratory system in chemistry. It uh, attracted more students to Brown, but then Yale, Rensselaer, many colleges adopted that kind of teaching. It was controversial at the time, and he had to raise his own money to start that laboratory. So a self-starter, self-made man. That always an experimenter, always an entrepreneur. And really that word wasn't used in the 1860s, but it does capture what he was. Definitely. Just deciding this is what I want to do and here's where I'm going to go and this is happening now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that part of it. Just that get-go initiative. Okay, I know what I feel like Mr. Hill's contribution was to Colorado. As I mentioned, there are thousands, millions of individual people who came to this state and contributed in in large and some in small ways that had a bit of a butterfly effect that give us the life and the times and the environment that we so casually enjoy today. So that's his significance to me. Uh, What significance does Mr. Nathan Hill have to you? Well, remember that mining was failing. So some people came and made it rich because they were engaged in early placer mining. That was the easy-to-get gold. But then the gold that was deeper down was bound with sulfides. They couldn't get it out, whether they did stamp milling, chemicals. They simply couldn't get it out. So out of the 100,000 people who came, Almost all of them went back because they were failing. So Nathaniel Peter Hill quit his job at Brown University and decided to take on this problem. He didn't know a solution, and his first attempts were failures. But then he heard of a process in Wales, and they have different ores than we do, but he thought, I'm going to try this. The first time he tried it, it was a failure. But one of his metallurgists devised a different system, you know, modification, and that succeeded. Well, it saved mining. It saved the economy. But it also allowed Colorado Territory to eventually go on and be a state. So that's a huge contribution to the economy, to mining, and to um, contributing to statehood. One man, one effort, one goal. Uh, Well, wait, wait, wait. We we forgot we talked about the man, but we all know behind every great man, or actually beside or in front, (laughs) 
what yeah. is a good woman? So let's talk a little bit about Mrs. Hill. Oh, and that was one of the joys of writing, being a uh, writing a novel or fiction, is I really could include her, and I was so impressed with her. She was born to a fairly wealthy family in Providence, and yet when she finally knew that they were going to move to Blackhawk, Colorado, that's a lot different than uh, Providence, that she would go and she raised chickens so that she would have fresh eggs and meat. Uh, Sometimes she couldn't find that. She had to leave her children behind at the beginning. But then when Blackhawk was too confined to expand the smelter, they all moved, uh, Nathaniel moved his family to Denver. That was 1871. And Alice started the YWCA because she wanted to help young women who were coming from Ireland, who were coming from rural areas, to give them a chance at success. Then she went on to establish the first kindergarten uh, school, and that was later adapted by the Denver Public Schools. So she really was an innovator. Then when uh, Nathaniel was a U.S. Senator, she was on the Mount Vernon Commission to help restore George Washington's uh, home. So that she served on that until really the day that she died. So she was very active, and she contributed to the state as well. Exactly. A leader in her own right. Yes. So we were blessed actually to have both of them actually as far as state history and education, everything of that nature. She's going to do a, a quick reading. On the sixth day of their journey to Colorado's Sangre de Cristo Mountains, Nathaniel and the governor could see the dust of the main exploration party ahead. Oro and Sylvie were laboring up a long, inclined stretch of the road. Pinion trees replaced the scrub oaks of the lower plateau. Gilpin turned to Nathaniel. This is Levita Pass. It's about 9,000 feet in altitude. Did you know that rebellion briefly came to Colorado and that soldiers passed by here? Nathaniel looked at Gilpin in surprise. I thought this bloody war only corrupted my part of the world with its deplorable cost in money and lives. Sometimes I can't bear to open the newspaper. It's a high-stakes gambit the South has undertaken. More than that, Nathaniel said in exasperation, the Confederates are acting illegally by trying to break away from the country, and their insistence on keeping the Negro in servitude is just plain immoral. President Lincoln is right in trying to keep the country together. Thank you so much for that reading, Dr. Fisher. Uh, We're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and we'll be right back. People are always talking about the stock market, always looking to invest in a good opportunity, something with a potential to grow. So what if you could invest in the future of kids like a stock? Not the kind of stock that's about making money, but a stock for social change. A whole new kind of investment called Better Futures from UNCF. Your investment can help students go to college, which ends up making the future better for everybody. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. A message from UNCF and the Ad Council. We mentioned in passing, but let's go into detail. You won the first place in historical fiction and another award for Western history categories from the Colorado Independent Publishers Association. 
And that was exciting. And let me tell you why. You know, when you write, you spend so much time alone. You're in research institutions, you're looking at people's letters, and then you're sitting in front of your computer trying to figure out what to write. And you don't know how people are going to receive this. And furthermore, I decided to publish this on my own. Um, it just It's local history, and I thought that was a good idea. So for this annual award, for me to be a finalist and then the winner, it just felt so good to think that, oh, you know, maybe I got some of it right and told a story that people were interested in. Definitely. It did grab me. Um, good. Mostly because the butterfly effect of, of one person doing a good thing or making an effort or making a stand contributes to everything that we have now. And just just that perspective of of the humans who were a part of history, not just the George Washingtons or the Jeffersons or, you know, the people that we've heard so much about in school. What about the people here? What about the people who contributed here? So that's why I was just drawn, just drawn to it. And the thing that um, captivated me is he was willing to take risks and and to fail. And he did fail a couple of times, and then he just picked himself up and started over again. And I think that's a lesson to a lot of people. Some people think, ooh, I don't want to take that risk because if I fail, people will think less of me, and that's not often the case. Yes, that's very much the the Colorado spirit. You get kicked down, but you you get back up and and keep going and try again and again. And again. <laughs> and again, until there's some form of success. Life in Colorado. Life in Colorado is... Life in Colorado to me. Do you want to let us know what you think of the show? Or do you have a group or issues you want us to cover? Or maybe just a quick comment to let us know you're listening. This is your show, and we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at lifeincolorado at salem.com. That's lifeincolorado at salem.com. And we're back. Thank you so much for joining us for Life in Colorado. We're speaking with Dr. Ellen Kingman Fisher about her book, Hills Gold. And she's going to go ahead and and do another reading for us. Take it away, Ellen. Okay. The miners were despondent about the news. Amos Sprague lit a cigarette with his calloused hand and grimaced. This is a punch in the gut. If the famous governor and fancy professor can't figure it out, what's the hope for us ordinary chaps? He blew out a puff of acrid cigarette smoke. Don't give up hope yet, Amos, nor the rest of you. He looked into each set of morose eyes. As soon as the route is clear, I'm going to go back to Providence to see if I can figure out something to help. The conversation went back and forth with little new, just a rehashing of the problems. Then the man sitting next to Amos Sprague said, Professor Hill... I'm Aldwin Brynmar, coming from Wales. My cousin, Liam Bond, is newly in the country, in New York. Before he left Wales, he heard talk about a new process there. Can you describe it, Alden? Nathaniel's eyes were alert with interest. Wales, you say? It's Aldwin, sir. Swansea, Wales. That's all I know. It's like a rumor without legs. 
I appreciate even that much, Nathaniel hesitated to let optimism trickle up through his misery. I'll follow up on it. He looked around him at the other men. Anything else? I'll be leaving soon. The seven other men shook their heads, and they tugged and scraped their chairs back to take leave. Where can people get a copy of your book? Almost anywhere. Um, History Colorado, you can order it from the tattered cover. The book bar has copies. But really, it's almost everywhere. And some of the new parts of self-publishing is books on demand. So I can order 10 books, 26 books. I don't have to figure out how many books to order in advance, and they just print them. And then the new copy will have a little sticker that says first place. So uh, you can get it anywhere even though it is self-published. Was there anything else that you wanted to add about Nathan, his wife, uh, the book, or maybe your personal journey writing the book? Well, you know, in a way, my journey was like Nathaniel. I I was trying something new, writing fiction. I had to persevere sometimes. I looked at my writing and others, and it was not very good. So I just had to start again. And so my passion was writing about people I liked through their letters, and his passion was finding a solution to something. You know, the other thing the novel allowed me to do is to talk about some moral ambiguity. This was the time of the Civil War. It was also the height of Indian Rebellion. If the first territorial governor, William Gilpin, had succeeded in southern Colorado Territory, what would have happened to the Hispanos? And then I was able to include a minister in this. And, of course, his gold, under Hill's gold, was God. And so that whole conversation about... Yes, science is good in Hill's mind, but there's another side to life, too. So all these conversations about what was going on in Colorado Territory very subtly let me address those kinds of things. Without a hammer to the head, just kind of a, hey, this is happening, too, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) It's the story, not necessarily, you know, a message, so... But it's still there. It's still yeah, the message is still there. But.
first unto this country a stranger I came. Pick and shovel on my back, no money to my name, no money to my name. I landed in old Juno, Seattle down the line, boat across the channel where we worked the Treadwell Mine, worked the Treadwell Mine. Now it's hard times in the open pit, 1,800 down. One day you'd make two dollars, and the next to glory bound, the next to glory bound. Now I dodged the rocks from the sudden slides, swam out of the flood. In the rain and cold we dug for gold through the water and the mud, the water and the mud. does it for our show today. Thank you so much, Dr. Fisher, for joining us. Richard Robertson is our show producer. I'm Maria Oliver, and this is Life in Colorado. If you have questions or comments about today's program, please call 303-750-5687. Life in Colorado is a public affairs presentation of Salem Media of Colorado.